Nation. Providing you with the practical tools and expert knowledge to optimize your strength, health and mindset, inside and out. With your hosts, Steve Katarzy and Bryn Jenkins. Hey guys, it's Steve here and I'm hoping you would have seen the June 18 Hyper Workouts which is an eight-week intermediate lifter training block as part of my personal annual phase training program. You can find those details of that training block as well as others in the show notes, and it's free, so go check it out. That got us thinking. This $80 billion industry has been charging you for training programs for years, and the reality is when it comes down to strength training, for overall improved body composition or increased strength or muscle development, there really is only a few principles you need to know of that act as the foundations in which to build on. There is unnecessary complexity that is designed to make you feel uninformed, inadequate, and therefore more likely to buy one of these online programs. And look, you can train wrong and ineffectively in many, many different ways. But when it comes to doing it right, it's pretty straightforward. And I want to take the cost out of this for the for you within this industry. Because training guidance at the generic level should be free. It's nothing novel. That would allow for the money to flow to service providers that can truly customize a nutrition and training plan for you based on your uniqueness genetically, biomechanically, and your lifestyle. So... This episode is Bryn and I walk through the underlying design principles for resistance training programming and we reference back to the June 18 hyper workouts. These are the foundations you need to know to have a safe, effective and progressive workout plan. And I'm sure you'll get a ton of value from this discussion. And as a result, you'll have a well-rounded understanding of program design for the beginner to intermediate lifter. But first, I want to understand how Bryn feels after not eating anything for two days straight. He just come off a 44-hour fast, which was really to help benefit some health and wellness aspects of his life. And we talk about this and how that could potentially get used within an overall fat loss strategy. So guys, let's get straight into it. I hope you enjoy this episode. Adaptation. Anyway, you are looking um, slight. You're looking svelte and happy. Yes, good. What's going on? Um, well, I've actually just come off a two-day fast. So I've done um, a 44-hour fast um, over the last uh, two One days. One 48. So, um, just because I knew in the evening I was going to be eating a meal of solid food. So I wanted to have something before that that's just going to kind of line my stomach and give me some some food that's gonna um not be too hard to digest okay so um i went for uh chicken and vegetable broth which was uh very nutritious but not overly taxing my digestive system hang on a minute so two day fast yeah um how was how was that for you man um easier than the last fast i'd done because last time i did a fast of 72 hours three days um which is three days so that wasn't fun um so now this seemed a lot easier um and you know what i at the beginning i kind of had cravings and 
I kind of felt hungry, but I don't know. I, I couldn't distinguish whether that was hunger or whether that was cravings or not. Um, but then after sort of half a day, that starts to subside. And then I didn't really feel anything after that. Um, that's, and that's what I think is great about fasting is it builds this level of intuition where you can sort of think and feel what's going on with your digestive system. Am I bloated? Am I hungry? Is it cravings? And you can really sort of tune into these signals. Whereas when you're always eating and you're eating habitually, oh, I just wake up and I make breakfast every day. Mm. You might not even be hungry. You might be slightly bloated, but you might not think of it. You'll just be like, I'm just going to eat because that's what I do every single day. Um, because the, the it's I, built in. The idea of um, most people even just skipping one day that's, oh, it's, yeah. it, it is yeah. a big deal, right? Yeah. It is a big deal, this idea of you know, having breakfast, lunch, or dinner just for one day, mm. let alone two or more. I, I think this isn't going to relate to a lot of people because they just will not be willing mm. or could not comprehend what it would feel like. Yeah. And, you know, without being informed i would have assumed that that's unhealthy for you mm, right yeah, this I, this idea of not getting any nutrients in any yeah. calories in like i'm gonna starve to death you yeah. know you know i'm gonna be really low in energy i'm just gonna just be about to move around you have these assumptions that you know without those calories without that food yeah without my meals i'm not a good person and i'm struggling mm. to to survive but the reality is actually boosts you doesn't yes, it yeah and I, I know that for i've not actually done a full day fast but i've done maybe 20 hours i do maintenance fast which lasts in between yeah. 16 and 20 hours it's pretty easy it's just like missing breakfast and, and having busy, have, and having a late lunch anyway. yeah so that for me like i can do that yeah one day i will do at least a day because yeah. I, I understand the benefits but yeah there's something inside me that goes nah yeah i mean i have that voice in my head and i i think the good thing for me is the fact that i am not fearful of missing a meal now um because i used to i would almost say i was borderline um i kind of had it orthorexic almost a uh, eating disorder to the point where I was excessively eating all the time because I was fearful of missing a meal because I am naturally an ectomorph. So I'm mm. a skinnier build and I'm, I want to put on a bit of size and a bit of muscle and I have done. And I always have this built in fear that if I miss a meal, I'm going to lose my game. Start going backwards and immediately. It, exactly. And it's the same for someone um, that's overweight and they stop eating meals. And then when they do eat a meal, they're fearful. They're going to, put on weight yeah. it's the complete opposite yeah um so i think for me it was it's now built more of a healthy relationship with food knowing that i can i can have periods where i go into a calorie surplus where i eat more calories but then i can also go into a period of lower calories even just for a short time and know that i'm going to be okay and actually the benefits of not eating which improves your human growth hormone um, testosterone levels so all these things are going to help you burn body fat and retain and even build muscle anyway so it's kind of helped my relationship with food in that respect um, and it's amazing how many people i've spoken to after i put my post up on fasting um, they've kind of asked me questions going so so how do you do it? Like, what do you eat? Like, and I say nothing What about teas and coffees. And I'm like, well, I'm just doing a uh, water fast. So I'm only drinking water and that's it. 
and the fear in their eyes when i tell them the benefits they start going they, they i can see it in their head they're almost like i know i should be doing this because of the benefits that are proven with fasting mm -hmm. but when i say about even skipping one meal they're like I, I don't think i can even miss a meal and i'm amazed at how many people uh -huh. are saying that i thought a lot of people would just wake up and not have breakfast and eat till you know fast until lunch when they feel a bit bloated or full from the night before um but as the, the majority of people I habitually was, eat and are almost fearful of not eating was, and missing a meal i was speaking to well, one of michelle's uh mum mates and yeah. um she I, I was talking about intermittent fasting i can't remember how we got along to this and she's not you know she's not a big girl at all she's pretty slight and um She's a busy mum, right? So yeah. like, there's a there's a lot of shit going on, and some days it's difficult to organise mm. to prepare and make food. So yeah. I would assume that she would skip skip some meals here and there. I said, like, yeah, so just you know, just do like an intermittent fast. I'm sure you do that already. Mm. And she said, what? Miss breakfast? But no way, I can't miss <laughs> yeah, breakfast. I need the... my porridge. I need this. Yeah. I need something to kickstart my day. There's no way, Steve. There's no way I can miss breakfast. Mm. I'm like, I was shocked because I just assumed a lot of busy mums do skip meals here and there as they're just kind of flitting yeah, around trying to get do, stuff done. Yeah. I'm like, okay. I said, it's not actually that bad, you know? Like, you, you can mm. do it. She's yeah, like, yeah. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> okay. some people are just like, no way, I'm not skipping a meal. Yeah. I think it's built into us um, by, you know, whether it's our parents or whatever, by, you know, you, you're not going to school until you've had your porridge or your Weetabix. And it's like yeah, built exactly. into us that we, we yeah, must yeah. eat the breakfast otherwise, or we, we mustn't skip the meal, otherwise we're being bad. And it's break, you know, break fast, right? You know, yeah. it's this idea of, you know, it's good for you. And, and yeah, and, and as you say, it's been, it's been educated yeah. mostly through TV advertising and through cereal manufacturers yeah. and bread manufacturers that you should have your breakfast, it fuels the day. The reality is, Breakfast and is and, and, and it's a reality that I think is becoming more widely accepted. But for me, at thirty-seven, something I've only really grasped in you know the last year, yeah, is I actually have more energy when I don't have breakfast. And you it's like not having breakfast, don't you? you? Always feel you always say how you feel when you don't have breakfast. I've just experienced enough um, enough variance now to know that when I. When I say intimate fast, it's a bit of a lie. I do have a shake in the morning. And that's not mm. because I need food. It's just um, I just want a bit of protein first thing in the morning just to give me something. And I mix it with a little bit of fat. So it's um, it's, it's like 150 calories. It's not food in in, in mm. the context of I'm yamming down bread or I'm having some meat or having some kind of substance. Yeah. But I, I actually take that for its benefits because I put caffeine in there. I put... Um, coconut oil in there just a little bit of protein and that for me is all i need and i then can go about my morning which i already know is the most productive part of my day i know i can get the most um taxing creative and product productive work done in the morning if i give myself the time and space to do that and i've just found like you know the difference between having a meal or not having a meal or mm. uh, having this kind of drink versus like you know having a proper breakfast it's light and day yeah. in terms of my willingness ability cognitive kind of like sharpness it just makes a big difference and then I, i'm almost getting to the point now Bryn, that like i don't want to eat because as soon as i break my fast mm. 
I know the day is going to go downhill from a from a from an energy perspective. Yeah, and that sounds fucking weird. Like, come on, Steve, you're talking shit. But it really is. Yeah, the case that as soon as I eat, like my body then starts, you know, going inward. Right, it starts thinking about I've got to digest this stuff, got to absorb so the nutrients that's taxing for the body. Yeah, and um, then you get like the post carb crash. You start slowing down, mm. blood sugar spikes, the things go a little bit weird, and I just feel myself kind of getting a little bit sluggish a little slower mentally so now i'm like okay how long can i last until that meal because i want to get four or five hours worth of good work done mm-hmm. and then eat that way at least i've got four or five hours of really good work and yeah. then the stuff after lunch hey it's not going to be as effective but yeah. at least i've had a good solid half day do you know what i mean yeah yeah i, I think you said something to me a while back um you were like breakfast actually slows me down and when you said that i was like yeah so true it does almost like when i have a big breakfast like i've had quite a big breakfast this morning i actually had two breakfasts this morning (laughs) and um but i can feel um because i'm now trying to get my calories in after the fast and i can almost feel now that it's i feel a little bit heavier a little bit sluggish um just because i've got all this food in me and my body's trying to deal with that food and digest it Mm. and it almost yeah in a way kind of slows you down mentally and physically think think about it this way you know like when you go to a nice restaurant and if you think about the feelings of having a social lovely meal Mm. what is it it's not hyper you know intense adrenaline pumping crazy shit Typically, when you think of a lovely meal, you think relaxing, yeah. calm. I've just had my dessert, had some had some coffee or something afterwards. We're just chatting. Maybe we've had a cheese board. We're, we're just relaxed. And then, you know, the day is slowing down and I'm feeling cathartic and just chill. Yeah. Whilst that's okay, that was a big meal when it was later in the day. That's really what food does to you, right? It kind of does kind of give you that sense of like, your body's like, phew, I've got the calories. Like satisfied. I've, I've got the calories. We're going to survive today. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we can kind of give up the hunt. And, and think about it. Like at that kind of like, you know, most hist- prehistoric kind of level, we no longer have to hunt for food once we've eaten. We can yeah. stop being so sharp looking for the next meal because yeah. our body's good. I've never really pieced that together like that for me, but I think that's yeah. probably what it is. Do you I, know what I mean? I so do, I'm sharp because yeah. in the morning I'm like, where's my meal? Where's my meal? How am I going to survive? I'm not thinking like that, but maybe my, you know, my prehistoric, you know, instinct stuff. Brain to, is yeah, kind yeah. of thinking like that. So it's keeping me sharp. I have yeah. my meal. Hey, just chill now. Life's good. Yeah. <laughs> I, and, and I think, I, I mean, you're right. I, I do believe that. I think that when we haven't had a meal, our body, wants that next meal and then your just senses sharpen a little bit more because it's like where is that next meal um so i do think there is something there with that i I haven't actually read the research on it but i do think you're right there i think i'm going to be quoted in years to come oh steve he worked it out (laughs) you'll be like yes i was right (laughs) as a a, claim to fame (laughs) yeah it is yeah you'll be like i was right um but as a disclaimer like what i would say is that fasting is is a great tool to to use um but when you've got your diet right already so making sure you're already consuming enough calories um because i think a a lot of people get confused when they speak to me and go right i want to fast 
and I want to lose weight. But then I say, okay, well, how's your diet at the moment? Not great. And do you know how many calories you're consuming? Mm, no, not at all. And I'm always thinking, well, or I would say to them, well, make sure that you, you know, sort your diet out so you know sort of how many calories you're consuming and making sure that you're getting the quality in there too before you start thinking about adding things like fasting in on top. Um, only reason I say that is because actually I have seen a lot of people that are under eating and undernourished. So the last thing they need is now a prolonged period with no food and yeah. then to go back into a chronically low calorie diet and low um, nutrient diet, nutrient diet. Exactly. Um, so as a disclaimer, we're talking about the benefits of fasting and how amazing it is and skipping breakfast. But what I would say is, yeah, make sure the diet you have right now is good first and then yeah. then start looking at fasting I mean, for sure. Look, there's a couple of things here. One, we done a we done a podcast on fasting. It was like yes, a little fasting masterclass. Everything. It was earlier on in our podcast, you know, between four and episode four and eight or something yeah. like that. So check that out, guys, if you if you really want to understand more about fasting. We won't go through all of those details now. But, you know, I'm thinking about fasting and where where is its use? I think primarily, I think we're both on the same page. Fasting mm. is really uh, a wellness practice. Definitely. It is It is a, a means to remove some of the stimulus and give your digestion a break. And it's anti-inflammatory, which, you know, has benefits from, a, you know, cancer is inflammation, if you think about it, at the kind of like the, the most extreme case. But generally speaking, inflamed you know, intestines and organs and stuff is no good. You want things Joint to pain, yeah. be back to normal. And when you eliminate food, you're eliminating all possible choice that you're potentially having something that you're intolerant to or sensitive to, yeah. or something's just kind of giving you a bit of a niggle, a bit of yeah. an irritation. So when you stop eating all foods, your body has a chance to uh, recover to a, a place of calmness. Um, that plus, I think it's good to um, demonstrate restraint, your ability to show yourself you can go hours or a day or whatever without food and know that I'm eating, let's not villainize eating, but I'm in control. Yeah. And I think fasting can um, help you psychologically understand that you're in control and not food is in control of you. It does give you a sense of that, yeah. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. So I think near the benefits, but then from a fat loss perspective, I would actually say it does have a place if if I was to use fasting in in a fat loss regime, I would probably say I'm I'm cool with people doing crash diet dieting if it's a means to build momentum quickly, um, you know, get some quick wins, get a sense that you know you're making progress whilst they're highly motivated. Whilst they're highly motivated, yeah. you know, just start to see that you can create change, and then you dial it back to something more appropriate where. You know, maybe maybe ten or fifteen percent under your calorie budget. Something more sustainable, long term, yeah. But I think crash diets have their place, to be honest, because they really help kind of accelerate the early stages of fat loss. So if you think about crash diets, well, a fast is an extreme crash diet, but you can't keep it up for too long—two, mm. three days max, really, mm. you know, without super, you know, clinical supervision. So I would probably say, like, you know, if someone's like really hamming on bad food they know that they've got a really poor diet they eat loads of crap day in day out loads of microwavable meals no good whole foods you know eat taken out most of the time mm. they just know their diet's shit yeah 
then I almost feel like this idea of a complete elimination for a couple of days, as hard as it's going to be, because you're going to be addicted, seriously addicted to those foods. Yeah. But if you can go a couple of days, one psychologically it proves that you can, you know, cut those shackles. And two, it kickstarts this, this weight loss. Um, if you've done that for a couple of days, then refed for a day, and then maybe done a crash diet for one or two weeks where maybe you're 20, 25% under calorie budget just to get a momentum if your psyche can handle it. And then you move to something a bit more sensible. I think that could be a good way mm. of getting started. Yeah. Maybe. I, I don't know, but it's but you need a strong mind to do that. Yeah. I think that, that I think is going to be the biggest challenge. I, I do think you're on something there because you almost break the cycle of bad habits when you if you were to interrupt your daily habit of eating the same foods and you do that for let's say you do it for 48 hours, that might be enough to kind of break that cycle. Um that will enable change longer term so i think you're right it's it's having that that break and just it's just something that you haven't done before mm. and you'll feel elated and you'll feel like you've almost this sense of empowerment and that you've got control over your diet um i certainly got that feeling when i done it i've got this empowerment where i'm thinking well i'm in control and i can not eat Whereas before it had a hold of me and I was like, I must eat, I must eat. But must you know eat. it would be a lot harder for other people who, you know, you've got a relatively clean diet and you've got a relatively healthy relationship with food. Yeah. Food, you're already in control. So yeah. the idea of switching on a fast for you, I don't think is a massive leap. You know, yeah, it's still hard, but it's not a massive leap. Where if you take someone who you know is like, you know, having kebabs every night and you know just like you know yeah. you know you know i don't need to describe it the person listening who's there knows it yeah. they know they're in a bad place and they're making poor decisions every day the idea of going from one extreme to the other is probably going to be maybe a leap too far but if you're at that point of like enough's enough i've got to change and you've mm. got that kind of that kind of strength of mind like i'm on this now it yeah. could be a really liberating way to get started yeah but i think you're gonna have to really want it not just go yeah let's go on a diet this week we'll start with a fast because I, yeah. I just think you'll break it too quickly i think for me it was like um it was more psychologically i was thinking holy shit i can't not eat i'm gonna lose all my gains and now and that was kind of a big step for me um but then when i done it i realized actually i was fine i didn't um, wilt away and, and lose all my muscle and no. strength um you but, must have lost some water and glycogen so you would have yeah. lost some weight on the scales and then as soon as you refeed it's back on oh, you? when you have your first meal the energy you get back after that is amazing really like you can almost feel your body just soaking it up wow um and within minutes you feel your energy coming back because you do start to feel a bit drained and your energy dwindles a bit of course when it you, does when you you're going into a kind of a preserving reserved yeah. space right where you're, you're you you don't want to waste energy unnecessarily so yeah. things are going to slow down it has to yeah because it doesn't now you're in this this place of uh, scarcity yeah your body's trying to protect you right so, from from the from dying right so okay yeah. what can i do to slow things down sufficiently so we can conserve energy and you're going to feel that yes 100 percent. yeah you do just being lethargic and yeah. all of a sudden you feel like another thing i've really noticed is how dry my mouth gets 
Oh, right. Very, very, very dry. All Even the time. if you were drinking enough. And, and I'm, yeah, and I drink a lot more because I can feel that I'm getting quite dehydrated when I'm not eating. Um, it's amazing how much fluid we get from our food if you're eating a lot of fruit right. and veg and stuff. Oh, okay. Because when I'm not eating, I start to feel really dehydrated and my mouth That's just goes very dry. But no matter how much I drink, that stays dry. Um, but I don't know what the science is behind that. But yeah, I that's one of the symptoms I notice. It's so, interesting, yeah. man. Well, listen, welcome back to the world of food. Thank you. Uh, keep eating. It's enjoyable. <laughs> it you. is very enjoyable. It's <laughs> my number one thing. Adaptation. Um, let's get on with um, what we had planned to yep. talk about, which we actually planned to talk about this last week yes. until we got sidetracked. We yeah. have a great conversation. Went off on one. Yeah. Um, so, today, what we're going to discuss is um, the June hyper workouts. Um, specifically, this is a, a you know training regime that you know you've put together uh, with some input from me, and it's a program that I follow. Following it for eight weeks, yeah, uh, I share it on Adapt Nation uh, various channels, <laughs> and then yeah, we cycle cyclically throughout the year, phasing through different formats of strength training, really just to continue to um, grow and you know create change both physically and from a strength perspective so i thought it'd be interesting considering i'm sharing a lot of this not all of the context behind why things are the way they are has been shared Mm -hmm. some has but it'd be good for us to just talk it through like what are your what are you thinking when we're putting these programs together what are your underlying principles of putting together a strength training program whether it's for someone who's a newbie mm-hmm. or someone like me who's kind of now at the intermediate intermediate level been doing it for a while and i i need to continue to grow so how are you gonna change that yeah so we can go in any direction you want broom but let's just try and piece in some structure together this idea of how someone should consider putting exercises together for the Mm -hmm. benefit of hypertrophy and strength gains yeah i think i mean one of the first things is i mean programming for you is quite easy because you know exactly what you want to achieve um and i think that's one of the biggest things when it comes to programming for me is making sure that it's individualized towards the individual um and for you it is a hybrid program that's a balance between hypertrophy so building muscle and strength um so that's the first thing is what are your goals and establishing that and then making sure that program is based around those goals so making sure that i keep the goal the goal because it's very easy doing a program to go off track and start adding in these fancy moves or what other goals have you typically seen outside of I would assume that my goals are pretty standard, but um, yeah. are there other other kind of goals that you use strength training for? Uh, most of my programming looks like your program here, where it's a balance between strength and hypertrophy. Um, sometimes I might lean it more towards uh, more of a fat loss program, um, and I might sometimes that might be more hypertrophy based um and even might be for the older client that i'm rehabbing might have to work more on hypertrophy to begin with um, so you do more endurance um endurance based kind of rep yeah. ranges so you're getting a moving and calorie burning versus really developing much muscle yeah ad- adaptation because it depends on the individual because 
sometimes some people don't have the motor control to do the big lifts like a squat or a deadlift. Yeah, like true. Okay. So I can't program in for them the same as I would for you with those big strength exercises. So I would work on higher reps. Um, so usually, I mean, if it's a beginner, I'd usually go sort of the eight to 12, maybe 15 rep range um, where they're not going to have to load themselves up too much with weight. Um, and it's not going to, overly tax them or tax their cns their central nervous system so i think finding out who the individual is finding out um how hard you can push them because some people come to me and they have like a lot of stress in their life from work from family um from injuries and pain and not sleeping right so then i can't necessarily go and program or give your program to someone like that because they just can't deal with that level of um of training stimulus mm. and i mean they just can't recover from it like you would be able to yeah because you manage your stress levels quite well so i think understanding the individual and their goals and their needs is like one of the big musts and that's one of the first things that i look at and i think that just comes from sitting down talking to the individual what do they enjoy um what do they what are their goals um what's their lifestyle like um you know have they got any injuries any things like that what about if they want to use um weight training as um an accessory towards other performance related goals so either maybe they're a gymnast or they're a rugby player or you know they do power and explosive uh, type sport and they, they want to use the gym um to you know as a secondary training effort yeah. to help them on the pitch or what have you do you do you get any clients that you know want to work more on power or explosiveness or maybe you know functional movement you know maybe it's single-legged work and just yeah. you know, that ability to control their body in 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 fluid motion yeah i mean I, i've got a client that i'm training at the moment that's in the um gb team for it, gymnastics okay. so he does tumbling um and what i had to do there is figure out how i fit into his already busy schedule um so i had to again speak to him and say you know first of all um what's your goals and what you're struggling at and then what are you currently doing? So he was telling me, well, I'm doing this with my coaches. I'm doing it, you know, X amount of times a week. Um, and what I realized that he wasn't actually doing very much strength training. So I thought, well, for him, a foundation of low, uh, low reps and really building sort of some big compound lifts and building that strong foundation will be really beneficial to him. So again, that's very individualized to him and his needs. And that's what we've been working on within that program because, as the saying goes, you can't fire a cannon from a canoe. Mm. Um, and he needs to have that explosive power um, when he's running down that track and then going to about to do a triple somersault. So I, I'm trying to build that foundation for him. So that's his personal needs for his goals. So then you would program for him different than me or yeah or did they end up looking roughly the same um I because mean, i guess there isn't a million different ways to do this no but I, I guess the nuance on on what their goals are fat loss yeah getting bigger helping support uh, a sport what have you i guess that is going to create some difference in the things that you prioritize that are going to get a reward yeah right is that is that the case yeah i mean you're quite right because the 
programs I do don't look hugely different from one to another. Uh, from from the untrained eye, it might just look like the same program with a few ex- extra progressions and exercises, um, a few extra or different stretches and mobility drills. But <clears throat> actually, I don't feel that you need to have like these huge variants in in other people's. Pro- I don't need to completely wipe out and rewrite someone's program i just need to make the changes as and when and lean more towards their needs um so for his needs i'm adding in extra compound strength training as opposed to your training i've kind of found a good balance between strength training and hypertrophy more isolation work for kind of yeah. muscle development yeah because yeah, you yeah. want muscle development but you also don't like to compromise too much on your strength and your performance mm. in the gym so i've had to kind of really figure out how i'm going to find that balance whereas someone else might be like i don't really care how much i lift um don't really care about my performance but i care more about how i look in the mirror yeah so then i go well actually i'm gonna i'm gonna that program i'm then gonna lean more towards the hypertrophy side so i think think about it this way how often do you see like these big jacked bodybuilders yeah doing the compound lifts they do show them every once in a while but you know that's not the majority of their lifting because from their perspective they just want to get as much stimulus to certain muscle parts as possible they're not looking to be a strong man and they don't want to break their body trying to go for prs all all the time because that's you know potentially going to give them a back injury or it's going to give them some it's too risky yeah so how do they go for high volume high rep isolation movements where they can be more deliberate and building muscle parts and i would i would look at that and go well, why are you not doing the compound stuff they're not doing it because it's yeah. just it's unnecessary for their goal yeah right? i mean it, it depends again what they're trying to achieve with their physique because you got some fitness um physique people that you know, the ones that stand up on stage in their swimming shorts, they're more uh, slender, kind of toned, athletic shape. So they they don't want that thick waist. They don't want to be like, you know, doing loads of deadlifts, yeah. loads of squats. That will build your core and, yeah. and it might... And they want to be as as uh, they want to be as V shaped as possible. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So they they're not going to want to be smashing out as much of the compound lifting as as let's say you would, um, because you want that kind of more you want to build more mass and more bulk. Whereas some people want to yes they have aesthetic goals and that's a, their primary goal. But again, it can still differ from one individual to another that yeah. both have aesthetic goals. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's where the programming has to be individualized to each person. So I think that's one of the first things that I, I have to consider when programming. Do you, sure. do you know, do you know what, um, I'm smiling because the industry of selling strength programs or just mm-hmm. generally kind of exercise programs is massive and people spend shit ton of money yeah. on buying you know this newfangled program that's going to be it's right the for next them new program yeah and I, I i'm not going to mention one of the company's names that i get bombarded on facebook with but they're like you know your weight training is dependent on your age your sex and you know your lifestyle you fill in this questionnaire we'll give you the program right for you and i'm thinking bullshit like there ain't that many ways to skin a cat right you know as you're saying, every one of your programs looks roughly the same, but with some tweaks. Like the foundations are really simple to grasp. Mm. And I feel like we're like we're blowing up this massive secret of this industry, which people make 
you know, billions of dollars on yeah. by making it complicated, making it sound like you've got to do all these different things and follow me because I'm going to give you the secret sauce. Yeah. There ain't no secret sauce. Once you know the, you know, the dozen or 20 different exercises depending on the muscles you want to work and you understand the phases of hypertrophy and strength or power and you understand your goals, you know, there isn't a million different ways to train mm. and continue to gain, you know, some benefit. And it's just it's been it's been made complex, yeah, and grey and confusing and blurry, so people feel lost, yeah. So then they seek out that paid for program that's going to be that you know that life changing moment for them. When reality is the information you need is pretty straightforward and it's readily available, yeah. And I just feel like we're we're kind of offering that level of transparency. We're innovating in zeros. We're taking the expectation that you need to spend shitloads of money with all these online programs to achieve your result. You don't. You may need to be accountable. You may need a phased program. There may be benefits of you signing up to a trainer that can guide you through, you know, a year's worth of training. But you could quite easily hit the gym tomorrow without spending any money and have a good workout if you've just you've grounded on some foundations. Yeah. I think um yeah, I think you're right because it is it's a matter of finding out what those foundations are or you pay a trainer and they will obviously have these foundations in place already for your programming and then yeah just manipulate and and, and tweak some things and and change it to your personal needs so let's have a look at an example um someone that's looking to lose weight i would still keep an element of strength training in there I would still want them to do some form of um, compound lift that's going to be a whole body movement that's going to work all their large muscles that's going to demand a lot of their body and and tap into that cns um system but then i would also have some sort of hypertrophy work there because we want to sort of build more metabolically active tissue i.e muscle but then also i might start adding in things like um hit training um circuit based style training um maybe a little bit of cardio at the end and um, whereas for you personally, your goals aren't really to lose body fat. Yes, you go through phases where you you cut, but your primary goal is to build muscle and strength. So we actually limit the amount of cardio you do, right? Yeah. Um, and and you do some hit training and stuff like that, but you don't. It's very limited. It's very limited, right? It's more limited than you even program. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah, you're you're quite right. There's only so many ways of skinning the cat. I mean, the foundation is the same. Mm. You know, a lot of your lifts will look the same as the other person's lift. Yeah. But they might just have um, different rep ranges or, or different rep ranges, slightly yeah. different exercises for for what they can achieve. Yeah. Um, and then also maybe adding in some extra bits like cardio or circuits or hit training. Um, just for their fat loss needs. And the same goes for an athlete that has needs towards more strength-based training and power. So so let's just demystify this quickly. So mm -hmm. this idea of hyper hypertrophy, strength training, power, endurance training, fat loss training, if there is such a thing. Um, briefly just explain what you mean by those. So when you say strength training versus hypertrophy training, What's the difference? Are we talking different exercises or are we talking something else? Um, not necessarily different exercises, but more uh, different rep ranges. Mm -hmm. um, because if you're doing, um, let's say, let's start with strength, because that's obviously at the bottom of the spectrum with low reps, heavier weight. Um, that's where we're going to... 
I mean, yeah, that's where we're going to mostly focus on compound lifts. So yes, that is going to be more down to the exercises we choose um, because you can't really go very, you know, if you're doing press-ups, you're probably going to be able to, let's say you can do press-ups, that's only going to challenge you so much at five reps, let's say. Right. So that's not really going to come into the strength equation. What is the strength rep range? Rep range for one strength to five, can be one, one to, to five, six. one to six yeah. reps. Yeah, and, um, that's, and that's where we... And we're, what we're saying is within that rep range, you can't do much more, right? So if you want to do four to six, which is what we typically program for my strength phase, yeah, like I can do four to six. I can't do eight or nine with the weight I choose. I no. can do four or five. If I get to six, I lift, I lift the weight up. I, I increase the weight. Yeah. Yeah. So we're talking, this is taxing you at that rep range. It is hard work. Yeah. It's hard work. It's it's uh, usually a whole body movement, like a deadlift or a back squat or a bench press. Um, bench press, and because let's be honest, pretty much whole of your body gets involved with a bench press. You're yeah. driving your feet into the floor, bracing your abs. Um, so yeah, working. yeah, exactly. So uh, they're usually focused around big compound lifts that are whole body. They demand a lot from your central nervous system. Whereas if we're looking more at hypertrophy. The, and hypertrophy is hypertrophy is building muscle um so or retaining muscle and building muscle um, where we look at higher rep ranges uh, mostly between mm, above six but i would say for the sweet spot eight to 12 reps for hypertrophy but you can go higher you can go lower the is the it's the like, reality the is it's a, it's a spectrum, isn't it? It's, it's a, not a defined amount of, exactly. hey, if I do six, I'm not going to build any muscle. Of course, you're going to build muscle. Yeah, but if it you want over. more adaptation, more fiber density, yeah. then you know you want to be hitting a slightly higher rep range because you're just getting more volume in, right? You're yeah. getting more reps. More yes. reps mean more 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 damage, more damage, more recovery, greater yeah. return. Exactly. So that's eight to 12. Eight to 12. And, and you're still pushing yourself within that eight to 12. And you're it's still not... pushing yourself within your limit and um, you're breaking down your muscle tissue. So it's not as heavy or as um, taxing on the central nerve system, but it's more taxing on the actual tissue itself, on the muscle tissue. Um, because let, let's remember when you're doing hypertrophy work, you're trying to break down muscle tissue in order to rebuild that tissue. Um, and this so is you, where you might be working a bit more on the eccentric part. Eccentric this is like phase, the, the, the lowering the phase. The lowering of the weight is where you're yeah. tearing the muscle. So you might be slowing down as you lower the weight. So the tempos, yeah, the yeah. tempos of the lifts may look different to strength training. Um, so it's going to look less explosive yeah. and it will be more slower and controlled. Um, muscle mind connection, you're really having to feel and isolate certain muscles. Okay. Um, now you can still do hypertrophy work with deadlifts and squats um, and bench press, but then you also have a greater degree of exercises like the, all the accessory exercises, so isolate, isolated exercises like bicep curls, tricep extension, you know, lateral raises for your shoulders so there's a bigger spectrum of exercises to pick from when you're yeah. doing hypertrophy yeah, work true. yeah um and then we've obviously got endurance based training that starts to go beyond the 12 rep range um which i don't actually use as much do you um, not but i use no. it you know as a bit of a calorie burn as a bit of a, a way to sort of build that um, a metcon type thing yeah that capacity that work capacity so let's say i'm doing back squats um and you're doing three sets of 10 just to keep it simple the last set i might do right you're going to do 20 reps now 
at 50% of the weight you've just done. So then you drop the weights down and you do 20 reps, but I wouldn't necessarily do three sets of 20. Yeah. I would do it as a finisher. Okay. Um, I mean, then there are times and you could go higher rep range when you may need it for specific individuals, but that's, I find that's quite rare. Um, mm. So yeah, I just, I know a lot of, that's um, how I a, use it. A lot of women well. will do, um, they usually stick to the they do a rep lot of range endurance but endurance rep range stuff just because like they do a lot of um class-based training and the class-based training is mostly body weight or they might have a little bar but yeah. the bar won't be three or four reps they're not like uh, you know yeah. eyes are popping out of their face and they're going yeah, yeah. bright red you know they, they might be doing controlled movement they might be doing quite fast movement but they're usually doing quite a few reps they've got that work capacity which generally females to males women are better equipped to do yeah. more endurance uh, uh more endurance based rep range kind of weight training they can knock out the 12 15 20 well, reps you, whereas guys struggle with that yeah because this was a few years back uh, i'll probably say about two years ago um lisa dragged me along to body pump i wasn't really keen on going but she was like it'll be fun let's go so i was like i'll go on then let's, let's see what it's about um and then he bloody killed me. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I think I had probably about 25 kilograms. So uh, in total on, on this bar. Yeah. And I was doing bicep curls. And I think we did bicep curls for like almost a whole song. <laughs> so it was like I, my, the lactic acid yeah. burning, the buildup in my muscles. I couldn't do it. And Women these, are just more able to handle that. And they were all that. smashing it out. Yeah. yeah, like the same weight as me. And I was like, what's going on? But I'm used to, I'm the, I train very similar to how you do. I train um, more strength and hypertrophy. And I very rarely sort of push beyond that and, and go up to the, you know, 20, 30, 40 rep range. And, what oh do you what do you think the benefits are for that in like endurance rep range? Is it is it um, the ability? Is it more fitness now? We're talking more about the ability to, you know, be more efficient at doing movements. Because I think about running, right? When people do long distance running, they're training their body to be more efficient, so they can mm-hmm. um, have a higher fitness capacity, yeah. a higher VO two max they can do more work easier yeah so they can go for longer distance and go faster than others that does that is to not be mistaken with losing weight though because mm-hmm. that can actually be counterproductive yeah. or counterproductive to gaining muscle but um would you say like the higher rep range like like 15 plus now we're really talking about you know increasing your work capacity yeah, increasing your 100%. fitness yeah yeah i think you're right it's it's building your work capacity your capacity to be able to lift that weight and and have that weight have your body loaded for a longer period of time um because if you build that again in some ways that's kind of building your foundation it's it's make so if you go a mile deep with strength and go mile wide with um capacity then you're going to be pretty well rounded and pretty mm. good because let's say you you go a mile deep with your strength and what i mean is that you're you've really worked on your strength you're getting good at it you're lifting uh, you know good amount of uh, weight but you haven't really worked on your capacity and let's say you're doing means you fatigue very quickly you fatigue quicker yeah. because let's say your your set takes you longer than it normally would because you're having to pause at the top of the bench press because you're you're tired and you haven't got that capacity to hold the weight for that longer period of time mm. i think that's when it's going to affect you if you haven't worked on some level of capacity i'll give you i'll give you an example um there's someone we know locally who's a 
uh, a fitness trainer. So mm -hmm. there's class-based training. Um, recently moved into doing some kind of um, physique work. And she said she's got a massive advantage in comparison to many of the other kind of athletes because she's just got a higher fitness level. Mm -hmm. So when people are trying to, you know, crack out the, the squats, she can just go for longer, which means she can get more reps in yeah. because, and, you know, reps do equal hypertrophy mm. because she's built up that kind of work capacity. Yeah. And I'm not saying she's stronger than them, but she can endure a set for longer than they can, which might mean she gets just a few more reps out. So I could see that benefit, but you know the lines do start blurring, right? What do. what do you want? You can't be all of these things. No, it's you a can't push be. Pull. Yeah. You can't be super strong, build shit loads of muscle, yeah, and have incredible endurance. I mean that that's gifted to the people with amazing genetics. Yeah, but for most people, you can't have we'll all burn three. Out by that you kind of yeah. have to. You have to choose. Yeah. you know what? What's your goal? And then, as you say, based on that give a bias towards one of these maybe mix in the ranges just so they're versatile yeah but they're gonna have a bias towards what their body needs or what their goal is or maybe what their nervous system best works with yeah like i know my nervous system best works with you know strength grinding and i'm less interested in doing 15 plus reps i just know for me i don't enjoy it i get bored i dread doing those kind of workouts yeah when you hit me on that kind of four to six rep yeah, range yeah that for me i feel i can i could do that all year round yeah do you know what i mean yeah uh, i think yeah you're quite right just going back to what you said about it, it's it's a spectrum right and you can it's a bit of a push and a pull right if you move more towards endurance you're moving away from strength and, and muscle versa, building right and muscle building yeah. and, and muscle building kind of lies in the middle of this spectrum now the foundation and principles of building a program remain the same but then all you're doing is pushing that program either left or right depending on that individual yeah uh, well that's the way i see it in my head as a basic simple um analogy of mm -hmm. what, what how i do that so i think yeah you're quite right you can't be good at everything um and i've fallen into this trap myself where I've, you know, I'm trying to be super fit and I'm trying to train for a half marathon. And I'm trying to be super strong and then I want to be bigger. And it's, it's like, like you I'm can't not have, really getting anywhere. You can't you, really have all no, of those things. You can work at the same on your time. strength. So yeah. if, if you're training for a marathon, hell yeah, work on your strength by all means because that's going to help build strength and power and that foundation in order to to build that work capacity. But you're not going to be a bodybuilder. And gonna, a tri yeah, triathlon. You're not going to be able to step on stage as a yeah. bodybuilder, nor are you going to be able to step on a powerlifting stage to lift the same weights as the powerlifters that are purely focusing on strength. Yeah. Uh, you're going to be more in the middle. Yeah. And it's just making sure that you do most, most of your training carries over to, let's say, the half marathon, but then you're adding in some of the hypertrophy and strength work in there just to, to keep that foundation. Yeah, yeah. So, and, and you're trying to retain some of the muscle because, yeah. you know, Generally, when you do endurance-based sport, you're going to remove the expensive muscle from your body naturally, right? Your body wants exactly. to be efficient, so it's going to get rid of the muscle yeah. and keep just what it needs. Whereas if you do some strength work, you're you're kind of giving your body mixed signals. You're saying, "Don't get rid of all of it. I want some of this." Yeah. So, but it's not core. Like yeah. you don't need to deadlift to run fast. No. But it can help. You know, functional movement. It can help 
you know, some explosiveness and it can help retaining some muscle. I think that's what you're trying yeah, to say. Yeah, I think I, I do have a job selling strength training to endurance athletes. So I've had a few people that I've worked with that are purely runners. And then when I introduce strength training, immediately their thought is, you're going to slow me down. You're going to make me bulky. You're going to make me um, not as effective or as efficient at running. Yeah. Um, whereas I have to say, well, actually, if if you think about it, if you weigh let's say you weigh 70 kilograms and you run five miles and you can't squat 70 kilograms, you can squat, let's say, half of that 35 kilograms. That's going to be a lot harder than if you could back squat 70 kilograms because you now have the strength to to squat your own body weight. And then to build capacity on top of that is going to be much greater because you now find it much easier to carry your own body weight. Does that make sense? It kind of does. So now you you can carry your own body. Your legs are strong enough to carry your own body weight. So now you build capacity on top of that. And that's how I have to kind of sell it. It's a fine art, isn't it, really? When you think at that detail, but at the basics of, hey, people are coming into you because they, you know, they want to lose weight. They want to get those mirror muscles in place. Or maybe there's someone who, you know, is more purposeful and okay, actually, I know I need to gain weight to look good, even though I don't want to get fat, I want to get slightly bigger. And it might be a man or a woman, usually mm-hmm. it's guys, because yeah. women don't like the idea of that. Um, but, you know, I'm going to put a little bit of weight on to then take it off and hopefully be left with a solid physique underneath. Yeah. What other things should we be thinking about um, in terms of program design? So we've spoken about this idea that it's not as complicated as as people make it out to be compound lifting pretty much features across the board and all your training yeah. uh, plans um you want to mix a bit of hypertrophy which is eight to twelve rep range work with strength work Some which is four work. to six yeah um just to con- offer a stimulus in both kind of camps but you'll have a bias on one or the other yeah. depending on what the goal of that individual is which yeah. makes sense um what other things? Because I've got the program in front of me now. I'm taking a look at it. It's got a very consistent structure from day to day and from program to program. Walk me through that just briefly. Like, you know, what do you start a, a session with and why? And yeah. then let's walk through the, the phases of it. So, yes, yeah, so if we're talking about your program, which, again, would look similar to most of the programs I do, um, we always start with some form of cardio aerobic based um fitness where let, we're not actually working fitness we're just trying to get your body temperature to rise okay just so we can help to warm up the the muscles and the ligaments and just get that body temp core body temperature up you don't want to go into training cold right basically you want to exactly. you want to get a body just just kind of yeah fight so, a little bit exactly yeah. so that's where we would just jump on the treadmill or the um elliptical or, or, or a bike or a run i do machine. skipping there man i find skipping. that really efficient Brilliant. do yeah. two minutes of that and i feel like i'm ready perfect and 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 like you just said you do two minutes um whereas a lot of people go on there so many people i have spoken to that do their own programming or, or just kind of go in the gym and do whatever will go and do 20 minutes and you're kind of you if you're in the gym and you want to make the most of your time, spending 20 minutes during your warm-up is quite an effective way of warming up. You only need to do two minutes of skipping and you're good. So keeping the warm-up short just to get your body temperature up. I think the the way to think about it is understand the goal of the warm-up. The warm-up isn't for calorie burn. It isn't to lose fat. It isn't for aerobic capacity. Mm -hmm. The warm-up is to warm up your body. So what is the minimal dose you need to get your body feeling 
limbered up a little bit. Maybe you've shaken off the cobwebs from yeah. the morning. Maybe you've shaken off a little bit of kind of doms that you might have from the day before. Just the necessary dose so your body feels kind of ready. Yeah. And five minutes, maybe 10 minutes max. But you're not going full out either. You're not trying to get a no. sweat on. You're just trying to get get your body ready. Yeah. Right? Just get your uh, body ready. And, yeah? and, and, and I mean, it, it depends on um, what the weather's like. So if you're training in a, a gym that's in a warehouse and it's hot, you're not going to need to warm up as much. You might okay. just do a minute, two minutes. But if you're in an air-conditioned gym and it's actually it's quite cold, cold in there, yeah. then I would probably do five, maybe ten minutes. That's it, a good, good point. What I do personally is I work with clients or myself to the point where I just get a light sweat on just very very light where you can just feel you've got your core temperature starting up. to break through it's just starting yeah. to break through and that's not enough to fatigue you but it's enough to kind of kind of make you feel loose and limber and yeah. warm so that's the first step okay a few um, minutes on that a few minutes on that yep. and then we start moving into mobility work um so range of motion so i would take you through or I'll program in um, a whole body routine. So I'd want you to get your ankles moving. I'd want you to work on your hips, your spine, your shoulders, uh, maybe even your wrists. Um, you can work on your neck a little bit as well, just to make sure you're hitting all those joints and make sure they're prime and ready. Um, you're not so mobile, mobile joints like your knees um, and your elbows. I just want them to go through their full range. Okay. Um, but obviously, I don't need to be as mobile because naturally they're not. Um, but I would, yeah, I'll get you moving every single joint within the body just for, you know, five to 10 reps. So let's say you do ankle rotations and then you go back and forwards, pulling your toes towards you and away from you. Um, and then what we call inversion, eversion. So you just move your um, feet left to right with your toes pointing to the ceiling. That's an example. And that would warm up your ankles, okay. the muscles in and around your um, ankles, and you'd prime that joint. Just think about maybe like when you see um, runners or sprinters kind of limbering up before a race. Mm -hmm. Think about what they're doing. You know, they're, they're, they're not doing massive hold stretches. They're not like, you know, going through excruciating you know one minute long holds they're they're doing dynamic movement they're you know doing some lunges they're yeah. you know doing some you know that knee raises they're kind of maybe jumping on the spot they might be stretching in a certain direction they might be stretching their core yeah you know that whilst you'd be you'd be programming something a little bit more specific yeah the idea is the same it's like they're about to do something quite demanding on their body just make sure the body's ready make sure yeah. those joints are moving freely and they've been yeah you know they've been lubricated yeah what do you need to do to do that plus especially if you're training in the morning everything's just like hasn't moved a lot so it's it's quite rigid exactly so you just kind of want to loosen things up but you're not looking for long stretches you're looking just to say okay this is what we're about to do we're going to move in this way so let's do it without weight exactly and maybe let's yeah. just hold it for a few seconds to kind of just just open everything up a bit yeah i mean if you're sitting on the floor and you pull your leg into you into yourself so you um flex your knee then at least you've flexed your knee already before you go and do it loaded with a weight on your back yeah for squats so at least you know you've done it and you feel whether it feels tight or if it feels good you know it's just letting your brain know okay i'm about to get get my body moving okay. so take it taking your body through kind of a routine mobility check beforehand is a good idea 
But again, don't spend too long doing this. It could it's a few minutes, hopefully. Yeah, few yeah. five minutes, minutes max. Exactly, five minutes max. Um, because you got to remember, it's still warm up. You don't want to be there forever. Yeah. Sometimes people I've fallen into the trap. Yeah, of doing and, it for too long. Yeah, and you can spend like twenty minutes, half yeah. an, and I have as well. And then you think, what am I doing? I just need to get in there and work. Yeah. So yeah, keep that short. Then we move on to some form of uh, activation work. So if you're going to be doing squats, let's say, for your first exercise, you're going to want to fire up the core. You're going to want to fire up the hip muscles. So you might do some uh, so quadru quadruped positions so on your hands and knees. You're going to do some sort of knee circles and rotate your hips. You might do fire hydrants. So um, abducting your leg out to the side. Like if your dog pissing. Exactly. Right, it okay. gets the post, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, people ask me that and they go, why is it called fire hydrants? I'm like, think about it. And they go, ah, okay. Um, so yeah, just taking your uh, joints, or sorry, your muscles um, and activating them before a certain lift. So let's, it's a little let's, bit more let's give specific. some more examples. I know you sometimes program in some power stuff like um, plyometrics, so like jumping on a box, but yep. not doing that for kind of like fitness or capacity. I'm just doing a few of those. I'm not trying to build up a sweat. I'm just trying yep. to get my body ready to circuit. What do I need to do? Yep. What sequence of move uh, of muscle firing is necessary for me to jump on this box? Yeah, do a few of those so I've got that um, ability. Mm -hmm. to control my body through movement yeah just enough to say okay like we're ready we're ready to do that with some explosiveness with some force but i'm not trying to do this to any point of fatigue yeah so i know you build that in for me yeah. what other things do we uh, we typically build in on, on um i quite activation? so you're quite right if you're doing squats i quite like adding in some sort of box jumps because that's that's very uh stimulating for the nervous system it excites your nervous system and wakes you up um kettlebell swings before deadlifts because yeah, it's a good it, one. it looks like the uh, well it's the hip it's hinge right similar movement so similar yeah. movement it's power but it's you've gonna... got a little bit of momentum in there so you kind of yeah you're rapidly going through that range of motion aren't exactly you? yeah so i would kind and of activate your glutes as well which i think is a good one in that regard like exactly. you're really firing glutes up to make that movement happen and then you feel good going into it right because you've now done that movement you you've ingrained that movement pattern and then you've excited the nervous system so then you go into the deadlifts or the back squat feeling much more ready than if you were to do it cold um so yeah it's just working your way into that exercise um and i weave and integrate um sort of your activation slash power drills together maybe i might throw in some skill work so skill work could be working on something that you struggle with or, or, or just want to achieve it might be like handstands it could be um doing skipping but double unders like where you you do two yeah. skips in one go um there's many many things that you can do it could be working on olympic lifts but just keeping it to a point where you're not fatiguing. Okay. Um, so I would, I kind of weave that all in together. And again, I, I try not to spend too long on that five, 10 minutes max. So we'll, we'll make sure that in the, in the show notes, we'll link to the June hyper workout. So all of this gets put back into context. Um, but the only point, other point I'll say with this, this kind of activation stage is I find it, it's, um, I used to think it was optional. I now think it's you know it's really necessary for me. Like if I'm going to do bench pressing, um, you you typically get me doing band pull aparts and um, band dislocations where I'm just kind of moving my pecs through a range of motion, and I find that Pulling to be very in the upper back, yeah, very productive. Yeah, just to kind of like I have quite weak shoulders, so I want them to 
be ready and primed strong and stable and yeah. then we you know a go-to power movement for me would be throwing the medicine ball up in the air with when i'm on on the floor mm -hmm. and that's similar to a press up and it's similar to a bench press but i'm yeah. trying to throw a ball off my chest up into the sky and uh that just kind of fires up those muscles so yeah. it's that's what you're thinking you're trying to think how can i replicate the heavy movement i'm about to do yeah. with something that offers a bit of speed and a bit of power because if i can do that with li limited weight yeah um i've trained the body to expect that movement yeah i've fired the muscles up hopefully got some muscle mind connection but again you're doing this to ready yourself this yeah. isn't really the quite, quite exercise at this no. point you are just uh Ramping priming. up, yeah, priming. priming, ramping up. Um, and you, you might need to be a little bit creative. If you haven't got a medicine ball, then you do clap press ups, right? Because it's yeah. again similar, it's power. powerful because yeah. you have to power off the floor to clap. With speed as yeah. long as you can do, um, press ups to a, to a degree where it's not going to be overly taxing and fatigue you too much before you go into the bench press, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's uh, another way of doing it so you might have to be a little bit creative so yeah we've got the the warm-up so you do some sort of cardio warm your body up a couple of minutes to five minutes um then you go into your mobility again another five minutes and then you go into what we're talking about now five minutes activation of, prime yeah. priming couple of sets few reps nothing heavy up, nothing exactly much. yeah and, and i mean you might need to get some expert advice if you're unsure on how to to do some of these drills um but again there's just a matter of replicating um what you're about to do yeah so cool. moving on then so we've got that so we're going to move on to then the strength work so this is where i like to add in the heavy compound lifting um, and you would do that before hypertrophy you're going to do both yeah because i i prefer you to have all your um cognitive mental focus and energy on that lift mm, so you're not this is very demanding yeah you're yeah. very demanding so you, you need to have your full concentration when you're lifting heavy in the deadlift the, the back squat or the bench press um, because you don't want to be distracted fatigued when you're doing this because mm. you're gonna or, or there's more chance of injury yeah um and things going wrong so i tend to do this Plus when generally still... if if you want to develop strength you need to be recovered yeah. and you need to have maximum resource you know mm -hmm. you know physical and biological resource to be able to do those exercises because after so much work yeah it depletes yeah. so you know the so idea really... of doing strength work after doing say an hour of cardio is crazy because you're just you you won't be, you'll be able to lift maybe 60% of your max yeah. why would you want to do that why would you not want to be able to lift 100% of your max because that's where you're going to get the gains working under your your ability isn't going to get you anywhere exactly, you have to be yeah. stretching your ability every time you go in the gym that's why you want to reserve your energy for the most taxing stuff up front which i may i think makes perfect sense exactly yeah so you want to make sure yeah you're not going in to your strength training your heavy compound lifts in a semi-fatigue state or a fatigue state yeah. so yeah i would program that in at that point um, and we're talking four to six reps generally this, yeah. you could do like I'm doing three at the moment. So the, the June hyper workouts has got me doing yeah, um, lots of sets, like six sets of three for yeah. the two strength days that you've built. Mm -hmm. um, and this is a quite a hybrid plan. This is more for an intermediate lifter who's looking to break through plateaus yeah. uh, of either strength or hypertrophy. But you've got me doing six sets of three. Now, three reps sounds like that's going to be a walk in the park. 
trust me, this is probably the most challenging program you've built for me because I'm having to jack the weight up for me to only be able to do three. Now, this is getting to the point where it starts getting daunting. Mm. You know, it's getting yeah. daunting to lift yeah, yeah. that weight because like I can only really do one of those, but I'm going to do three because it's that kind of range. One to three is like, it's power. Yeah. At this point, it's pure strength work, yeah. pure strength work. And um, yeah, it's, um, it. I do feel um, quite vulnerable and a little worried doing these work because because it's it's, it's at that level of kind of my max yeah but strength work can be as as few as two to three but typically the sweet spot is four to six isn't it yeah what what i tend to do is if the reps are lower then i build in more sets because you want to get the same volume same volume in yeah Yeah. um whereas if you're doing yeah higher repetitions let's say six reps then you'll do fewer sets so you might do instead of doing six sets of three reps you might do three sets of six yeah um so you can just switch them around basically um but the typical you know let's get you started would be say four sets of four to six yeah as long as they're an intermediate and they they've got good control over the lift then yeah you could do yeah I, i mean i would work your way down eventually to the lower rep range where you're going to be lifting a lot heavier and going to need but you don't want to stay there that would just be a phased part Mm. of your annual program just to experience what it feels like to lift at that level yeah but i'd say the sweet spot where you can live for most of your strength training is four to six yeah yeah four to six reps four sets of three minutes in between two to three minutes in between so you feel recovered and ready to go again that's a good point um when you're doing strength work because it is more physically demanding um you're gonna need a longer rest period so yeah you might need two up to four minutes of rest in yeah. between your sets i go i go for three i, yeah. I, I feel that i kind of need it so i'm pushing hard and that's usually overlooked um when i'm trying to teach people how to program or how to just just train in the gym they always overlook the importance of rest. So they might do three reps and go, that was hard, right? I, I'm physically um, exerted myself. However, I'm not I'm not feeling like I've just run a marathon. So I'm not like incredibly exhausted. So, so I can, I go, can again. go again within a minute. Yeah. But then I have to say, but if you go again in a minute, you're only going to be able to lift um, 50% of what you've just done. If and you rest... It is, it is true, man. Yeah, I mean, if you I've rest got, longer, yeah. Uh, and I know what it feels like when you're in a gym because like you're hogging a piece of equipment and like you don't know what to do with yourself. Now, if you've got your phone, you might peruse your phone and that might distract you inappropriately. And so you're like, you're, you're torn between, you know, I want to get off this piece of equipment as quickly as possible. I want to get out of the gym as quickly as possible with, uh, hey, if you want the maximum benefit, you mm-hmm. kind of have to go slower to get yeah. more. So I can imagine if it's peak time in a gym you feel a bit wasteful to hang around for three minutes yeah. doing nothing that's a really good time if you do have a training buddy like to to jump on and do alternate sets like they're doing yeah. something you're chilling spotting them waiting yeah. and recovering that'd be perfect definitely yeah. but but irrespective if you're in the strength phase for you to take advantage of doing strength training I'd say you want to err on the side of about three minutes. So you're going to have to find a way to be comfortable with that because mm. moving too soon just means, as you say, you're just not going to get the reps out. It will, maybe your form's going to suffer. 
um, you're just not going to get the benefits. Yeah. And from a cellular level, you just got to let your muscles just recover and be ready for that next lift. So yeah, long, longer rest periods, which seems like the opposite thing you would do when you're only lifting three reps, you think you'd have shorter rest. So it is a bit of a backwards way of thinking, but it's there's definitely merit behind doing that. So that's and what, definitely and, recommended. And when you're talking about strength, it's four to six reps, say four rep, uh, four sets. And then the exercise selection is typically the big compound lifts. Yeah. So we're talking bench press, a variation or a variation of back squat or a variation of a squat with a loaded bar. We're talking shoulder uh, press. Um, we're talking deadlift. Yeah. And then maybe some form of kind of Bend chin up row. or something like that. Yeah. Some. So, I mean, you can build strength into strength, strength, sorry, strength rep range into other exercises like pull-ups. Let's say you add a weight belt and then you put on a, a 10 kilogram plate. I was plate. doing that today. Exactly. Yeah. And then you can... and you can do three, four, five, six reps doing that, right? And that's so, not just working the bicep, right? When you do a lot of wide grip pull-up, yeah. that's working your back, your bicep, your shoulders, you're activating your core, you know, firing everything up to get yourself mm -hmm. up there, especially with weight. So yeah, I, yeah. Th that works, but you're Definitely. probably not going to do strength work on a bicep curl. No, exactly. That, that's the yeah, that's the thing. You're not necessarily going to do three reps on a bicep curl or four or five or six reps. Because but you just can't do it. You can't do it. And I mean, you know, I mean... It just it's not going to give you much bang for your buck by yeah. doing that. If you're going to work your your smaller isolated muscles, you're better to do hypertrophy work. And this is where the the next phase comes in. So after we've done a our couple of strength, couple of exercises in the strength phase, and that's yeah. where if you're doing a strength based program, that's where most of your effort is going to go towards. That's, that's where you're going to feel most fatigued. Yeah, and then you're going to do some hypertrophy to kind of round the edges and just get some additional kind of exactly. muscle yeah. kind of adaptation. So what do you do in that phase? So in this phase, this is where I do more um, lagging body parts. So if you, for you in this program, what was it? It was your... Um, Decided your, on quads and pecs. I just yeah, wanted more volume there. Quads and pecs. So then we made your hypertrophy, hypertrophy work more biased towards those areas, targeted, targeted areas on your body. So we have slightly higher rep range. Um, the exercises are more isolated towards those areas. Um, so we might look at maybe more of a compound exercise like a press up but then we're also going to work on things like flies um and then if you're working on your quads you might have some sort of knee extension to work your quads in there you we're might... doing for example reverse the barbell lunges which are really tough yeah really tough yeah. single legged as well so it yeah. takes a lot out of you to move in that range of motion without falling over yeah. with, a, with a long bar on your back yeah, yeah. eight foot bar I find that They're, I find that really really good yeah really I good. mean yeah so actually reversing a little bit so yeah when once we've moved out of the strength exercises and into this hypertrophy block of your workout I tend to again at the top of that hypertrophy block I would put more of your compound lifts that are still focused towards that specific area so like you just said you're doing reverse barbell lunges and that's because i want to hit your legs at a higher volume um but again that's still quite a, a demanding exercise it is, really so is, yeah. i wouldn't go and do let's say 15 of those yeah let's yeah. say you're going to do leg extensions and then that i wouldn't really recommend that because if you're going into the barbell 
lunge you're fatigued again it may lead to injury you might end up um losing stability and whatnot so yeah, no, I, th- I think that's a fair I point think, yeah the, the smaller the ice the smaller and more isolated the exercise the later and further down the the training workout i would put because it demands less from your body generally yeah so you want to basically program principle what i'm hearing is order your exercises such that the ones that require most uh, the most of, of your body from a yep. full body perspective you do up front and then as you work through your five or six different exercises for that day yeah as you get to the tail end you're working on those more isolated one or two body part type exercises yep. where you know you can rep them out yep. and it isn't demanding as much from your whole body as the, the exactly. stuff up front yeah because you'll, na- you'll naturally see the exercises getting smaller and you'll also, and as that happens, you'll naturally see the rep range increase later on in the program. Yeah, so that's nice, like spectrum, isn't it? Yeah. I, I've also one of the other things you built into this program. We spoke about it, and we've got some inspiration from some of the bodybuilders. Was um, uh, it's it's called FST Seven. Um, it's uh, it's an invented quote unquote from a guy called Hanny Ramrod, who's um, a trainer to many bodybuilders uh, including jeremy buendia mm-hmm. uh, but fst7 i think stands for fascial facial strength training or something like that but effectively this is a uh, high volume low rest hypertrophy work and i've never really done this before so this is a new world for me yeah what is it so if you look at the june hyper workout you'll see there's a couple of days where i'm doing seven sets of 12 to 15 reps of something backed supersetted with something else that's attacking the same muscle group and then resting only 30 seconds and then going again for seven sets this is a bitch (laughs) it is horrible it is so horrible but i understand why i'm doing it and i persevere but it is hard like Resting 30 seconds and going again when you have just repped at yeah. 20, 30 reps between two different exercises is so intense. So one of the examples is cable flyers, 12 to 15 of those in, with control, followed by five cable um, presses. So you're still holding those same uh, handles and you're just pressing them forward for five. Get off that. I have to do incline because I don't have the strength to do flat, but I do incline, uh, narrow grip, press-ups say 10 of those and like that's that kills me and then set my set my alarm for 30 seconds as soon as 30 seconds hit go again do that seven times fuck you get a pump you see your body like literally balloon up because like just it just all that metabolic waste is building up in your muscles well this is it's horrible yeah but i understand why i'm doing it because i'm trying to get some greater muscle fiber density in my pecs and therefore i've got to put the volume in yeah, exactly. And and you're I wouldn't recommend this to a beginner, but because you're quite an advanced um train um some of the trains, then you obviously can add this intensity and volume in at the end, um, without doing any damage or injury to yourself and not feeling overwhelmed with the um the or, or not being able to recover the next day and feeling extremely sore although you may do after that volume. it re- really is tough, but this man. this is something really is we're tough. trying out i mean we, i've not programmed this before um this is something that we've read up on and we thought well let's give it a go um he you know 
we've read into the explanation explanation behind um stretching your your muscles as well getting a good pump it's to do with trying to stretch the fascia as well isn't it around the muscle so we thought we would give it a go and and i, I would say again. feedback so far is it is um what well, anything that feels hard you feel is is worthwhile sometimes that's not the case yeah so i don't know if i could work in a less fatigued way and and get the same benefit uh, the jury's out at the moment i'm not clear clear on if this is the only way to achieve the same result yeah um but it's efficient uh, i get a lot of volume done in a very quick period of time which is good because volume equals growth generally speaking um it's challenging my work capacity which i, I think is productive for me and yeah there's this this sense of pump that I don't get when I do strength work. Mm -hmm. You don't get a pump when you do strength work. You're you're trying to move the bar, a very very heavy bar for a few reps. Whereas this, a you know, B, that yeah. that that kind of consistent movement is is building up a pump. My problem, and this is where I've said I've got good and bad um, response from this training program. Mm -hmm. The bad is my shoulders. I've with the amount of reps and sets and volume we're back to backing on my chest yeah i'm struggling a little bit on my shoulders and that isn't because this is too much volume for someone mm -hmm. it's because it's highlighted a weakness i didn't know i had right which is when i bench and it gets heavy or i get fatigued my shoulders go forward to help me lift like my shoulders should be back pinned back to the bench or pinned yeah. back generally the lats holding them back and I should just be focusing on that chest, bringing that exercise with the tricep forward. But when I fatigue, I bring my sh I, I sure. bring my shoulders forward yeah. to try and take the weight off. I'm trying to lift the weight yeah. by hunching my back. Yeah. And what that's causing is instability in my shoulder capsule, which has irritated my rotator cuff a little bit, and the long head of my uh, bicep, which kind of goes into my shoulder. Yeah. And it's caused a bit of irritation and mm -hmm. it's inflamed a little bit, struggling a little bit with some of my sets. So this is why we say this is a more intermediate workout because to do that level of volume, you kind of need your body to be balanced mm -hmm. and you need to have good form and you need to not do things like what I'm doing, which is using bad form to complete the set yeah do you know what i mean yeah and, and i'm noticing it i'm noticing i've got some shoulder problems as a result well, you're paying for it if you're that volume yeah. yeah but i've found a way to recover i went to the chiropractor done a couple of things i've kind of i've um dealt with some pec tightness which i think was causing a problem as well mm -hmm. and i've kind of overcome the issue but i've also got the knowledge to have to know how to overcome mm -hmm. the pain i was experiencing yeah. and expedite that kind of period yeah so yeah, I would, I would say caution you just on that high volume stuff. It can create some issues in your body yeah, that's great. If, yeah. if you're doing it with bad form. Yeah, that's great. Um, and a last thing I would add as well, just after we've spoken about the sort of higher rep range stuff right at the end of the workout, if you have time, because I, I recommend sort of no longer than an hour in the gym. I mean, you could do longer than an hour if you're doing stretching and things like that afterwards. Um, but if you can keep it within the hour, that's great. The actual period of where you're working intensely. Yeah. Um, 
and if you have the time to add in your um, hip workout or your, you know, might do a circuit um, styled workout at the end, just to burn those extra few calories if you're looking to lose weight um, or if you're looking to work on your fitness. So sometimes I add in sprints. I love sprints. So I might do some incline sprints. You know, I might do five sets or 10 sets of 20 seconds sprint all out and then 40 seconds walking 20 fast. 40 slow so i would add that in again at the end of the workout because again i don't want to fatigue myself before i start lifting weights yeah and that's that's really um, taxing doing yeah, it or i'll yeah. do it on a separate day so but it doesn't just have to be here right you might just do some active recovery get on get on a yeah you know a upright bike and just you know yeah, cycle steady, for yeah, five yeah, ten minutes totally. or do some row so i do that so we've only got one hit type finisher in my current program mm. and that's enough like I, I don't mind doing hit, but when you're already I'm, I'm, doing, I'm tired. Yeah, like, when you're already doing after all of, that. all of that strength and hypertrophy work. Yeah, I'm exhausted. I don't want to go do dead meals for ten minutes. Yeah, if I do, I do it for five minutes, and it's just because I feel I'm obliged because it's on the program. Yeah, but typically for me, where I'm at after doing that stuff is I just feel I need to do five or ten minutes of just almost chilling out on the bike. Yeah, you know, I'm not pushing myself too hard. I'm getting a bit of a perspiration on but nothing much just enough to like work that tender muscle through yeah. range again just so i get the blood pumping through into my quads and it kind of helps with my recovery a bit definitely if i get on the bike so yeah. i'm using it as a tool to aid recovery versus more calories but you yeah. could also do it as a little calorie burn as well exactly and that that's something that is for you that we've worked on with this program we've taken out uh, more of the hit workouts and we put in more steady state so that you don't tax yourself too much because again hit training can be very taxing on the body and then you're also taxing yourself with heavy lifting and then a lot of intensity and volume yeah so and i'm not to looking to burn extra hit, calories yeah it's, you know I'm, I'm trying to put weight on exactly so i don't need to burn another 100 calories for the sake of it yeah because i'm just gonna have to eat another 100 calories to make up for it yeah because i don't care about my vo2 max or my work capacity or my endurance at this phase of my programming mm -hmm. like let's not confuse my body trying to have it do everything. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That's why we don't do a lot of hit for me. But at the same time, I do enjoy it. I do enjoy kind of pushing my body to the limit and doing a bit of endurance-based sprinting yeah. once in a while. But don't feel you need to do that. Yeah. If your goals are, you know, general body composition, lose a bit of weight, hopefully strengthen up some muscles that need it so you look good in the mirror and you feel strong and functional, this June Hyper Workouts is absolutely right up your alley. I'd have a look at the maybe the April one too and the ones before that because they may be a little bit more uh, uh, standard. This mm -hmm. one's a little bit hybrid. Uh, they can serve a multitude of purposes. You can lose weight. You can gain weight. You can maintain weight. You can build muscle. You can do all. You can do anything you want with these programs generally. Yeah. The thing that changes it from a fat loss program to a muscle building program is your nutrition. Yeah. Get your nutrition to match your goal and then use this instrument to serve any of those needs. And yep. that's the beauty, I think, and this is really to close on this discussion. Mm -hmm. This is the beauty of resistance training. Is it, it is such a versatile Swiss army knife to serve whatever your body goals are. Mm -hmm. It doesn't need to just be for the yeah. guys who've got thick yeah, necks and they're trying to look like you know massive like you Me know heads. bulldogs yeah that that 
is old school uh, kind of mindset. You can use strength training with the kind of programming that I use mm -hmm. for a woman, uh, someone elderly, through to someone who wants to get jacked, through to someone who, who's got five stones to lose. You know, we, we, we dial up or down the um, skill level or the tax on that person's body if they've not if they're not used to doing deadlifts, you're not going to get them doing one one rep maxes, but you can get them doing deadlifts and getting the benefits of that to lose weight or gain muscle. You yeah. can do both, but the nutrition has to come first. Yeah. The training supports the nutrition. Exactly, plan. and one of the biggest things to consider as well, which is for everyone, no matter what level you're at, is make sure you recover and you recover well, um, because that's going to be your workout enhancement. Good point. Good, good point. And recovery. Um, again, I'll put on the sh in the show notes uh, a link to something we call gassed out um, or being fatigued. It's a three-part article that talks through the importance of recovery when you stress your body through exercise or general life. And you'd you from that, you understand, one, the importance, and two, how to recover yeah. and the time periods you need between various types of exercise. Cool. Thank you, Bruin, for that. Um, we are we're continuing to offer and be honest and transparent. Uh, take some of the the cost and um, the trust issues out of the fitness industry. So I appreciate your time today, man. And for everyone, listen. Adaptation is all about providing you with the tools and expert knowledge to help you improve and optimize your strength, health, and mindset, inside and out. Thank you, guys. Cheers. If you enjoy this show, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes. It really helps. And of course, recommend us to any friends or family who you think might also enjoy the show. Thanks for listening. This is Adapt Nation.